I'm your host, Better World Peace, with my co-host, the Canadian Aki and Bonnie Jill, and we have a great guest today, B. Scott, Byron Scott, metaphorically speaking, presented by Boost Mobile. <laughs> hey, what's going on? We are back, metaphorically speaking. I'm your host, Better World Peace, with my co-host, the Canadian Aki and Bonnie Jill, and we have a great guest today, B. Scott, former Laker great, former amazing coach, two-time Coach, I went to the finals. Three, five rings? Three rings. Three rings. That's how I'm going to say five. 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 five sounds better. <laughs> B. Scott's in the building. Meta, hey. always a pleasure seeing you. Thanks brother. for being here. Bonnie, good to see you. I know, always. I'm in good company right now. Absolutely. Around greatness. It's a little intimidating for my, my, the Canadian myself here with the, being in the presence of NBA champions, Bonnie Jill, Meta speaks for himself. So it's honestly, I'm blessed to be here. So thanks for all. Thanks for coming by. This is great. Hey, Coach Scott, man, you've been doing a lot since you, uh, I always call you coach because you coached me uh, yeah, one, yeah. towards the end of my career. Yeah. But you've been doing a lot. Man, I, I see your, your business moves, you know, from coaching, from transitioning. Your book came out. Yeah. It seemed yeah. like that launched a lot of business for you, and, and you, you're just in the, in the community. What's been going on with you? You know what? You know, trying to be, you know, trying to have that entrepreneurship is uh, is exciting. You know, when you meet the right people, and you know my boy Charlie Norris, mm -hmm. who's my business Charlie, partner, Charlie. one of my closest friends. He got me really started in the business uh, almost 20 years ago. You know, just during our workouts, just talking about business. We didn't talk about basketball. We just talked about business and how to how to grow a business. And what we end up finding out is that there's a lot of similarities in running the business as it is running the basketball team mm -hmm. and running the basketball organization. So we just kind of collaborated, put a book together, and really started talking about the 10 things that we thought were kind of coincide with business when it, when it comes to leadership, you know, that leadership quality. And so it, it was a great collaboration because we were great friends and we had so much in common. And when you see us together, you don't you don't realize that because Charlie's like five eight, little Jewish kid. You know, he's seventy six years old now, so it's like the odd couple. You know, when we're together, but you know that's that's kind of the basis of the book as, as well as don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. You know, you you got to ask questions to find out what people are really all about. You know, you you look at somebody in the hood and you just think they you know they in the hood, but you don't know that kid can be from Harvard. You know, you you just can't judge a book by its cover. So. That got, that got me started in the business, and my first major investment in business was Fresh Pet, you know, the dog food. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I knew nothing about dog food, but just <laughs> going and talking to him and being in meetings and all that, and, and I'm, I've never been one that was shy of asking questions. I don't know everything, so I'm asking all kinds. Of, I say, hey, it might be the stupidest question in the world, but I'm gonna ask it because I don't know. And that just really kind of transformed me into kind of going a different level when it came to business, and then it was Fresh Pet, uh, it was our student housing project that we have in Long Beach. It was Ethel's, which is a baking company that we have. It was Overtime. It was Clot, you know, uh, Clay Nine, which is a cannabis company. I mean, it, it just led to so many different things yeah. that right now I'm just kind of enjoying life, being the wife, and just you know every week just kind of seeing who we have to meet with and talk to about what's going on with our companies and what's happening and how they're how they're doing or how they're not doing, what other things we have to do to make it better. And it's just been a great, a gradual process of just kind of watching everything grow. And it's just been great, man. I, I just, I enjoy putting my foot in something that I had no idea about years ago. You know, I knew basketball. I, you know, just like I told you when I was coaching you last year, I said, Meta, you should become a coach. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. Meta, you should coach. Because you, you, your knowledge of the game and your passion for the game 
and the way you would gravitate toward the younger guys, I thought was was perfect. And this is gonna be it's the same time, same thing as far as business is concerned yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So all those things are kind of taking flight, and I'm just kind of you know enjoying the or, or reaping the benefits off of it, and just kind of enjoying life. And that, so you said something. You said even when I have to help my companies. Yeah. Right. So how is that transition from you know getting from the successes and then times where you got to help your companies? Know, kind of get through a uh, you know a, a hump. Yeah. How do you handle well, that? You know what? I put my coach hat back on. Mm-hmm. You know, there we go. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So there, there's times where you have to make decisions that are unpopular. You know, just like you do when you was coaching. You got to make decisions that you just you know you have a gut feeling about that you believe in. And you know, so I, I've kind of taken that aspect to the business aspect as well. You know, so the decisions I make, I'm I always want to be the the least smartest guy in the room mm-hmm. when it comes to business. You know, I want everybody in that room smarter than me. And then let, let's collaborate and let's talk about what's the best way, what's the most effective way to make this business, you know, skyrocket to the top, or how can we gra- gradually grow, you know? And when, when I do that, it's kind of I just listen to everybody better, and then I form my opinion, and then I give them exactly what I think we should do. And you yeah. know, being sometimes the head of that company, you can say, all right, I love you guys' opinion, but I ain't doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go this direction. And just like as a head coach, you know, that's six inches over from assistant to head coaches. They can give you all the advice you want, but you got to make the final decision and right. you got to live by it. And so I, I've been able to do that. And the, the great thing about what I've, do, what I've done so far in business is that I got a mentor that's unbelievable in Charlie. That's right. So, so I got somebody I can fall back on yeah. and talk to, and he can say, you know, I think you should do this. And that's been one of the best, best things in life for me. Absolutely. Really important. Yeah, so talk about you got this now, this new bag line, yeah. this game, which I love. It's all game-oriented. Yeah. And uh, when does this come out, what debut, where can we get it? And yeah, tell you know us what? about it. This is, our, this is our newest line right here. It's called Overtime Unlimited. Uh, I'm the first player, at least that's what they told me, from the <laughs> NBA to be licensed with the NBA. Mm. Wow. You know, so this bag is a phone bag. We have... Our, our tote bags for the ladies as well, you know, which, you know, Maya's got to have hers, you know, yeah. got to have her. <laughs> fit, one over here. You know, and these are all launching in September. Uh, okay. Right now in the United States, you can only get these online or at an NBA store starting okay. in September. Uh, the rest of the items are going to be in, in Asia, in Australia, and the Philippines as well. And so, the plastic bag, we clear bag, we know how important bag, that is going know, to I the mean, games, and the it's, girls it's, got to still look fashionable. Got to look good still, you <laughs> so know, but that, that bag, yeah, that yeah. bag is perfect, mm-hmm. you know, because now yeah. they can see exactly what you put in it and then you have the other inner bag that you can take out if right. you don't want the plastic oh is that what that well. oh yeah yes. i like that yeah so this is something that's been that will be launched in september uh we're, we're hoping obviously in the next couple of years we'll be launched all over the world that's amazing that's incredible i want to switch gears um there are now 15 african-american coaches right now in the mm-hmm. nba the evolution of the coaches um i mean talk to that because that's you know for me it's very powerful yeah. to be able to see that you know what, I'm loving the fact that they're, they're giving uh, coaches of color, you know, more opportunities, obviously, mm-hmm. coaching the NBA. When you look at the NBA, 80% of the players are African-American or mm-hmm. players of color, you know, counting the guys from Europe, you know. Um, you know, so we should have more coaches of color in the NBA. Yeah. I think it's great that it's starting to take flight. Uh, 15 is a great number right now. Still should be more. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, when you look at the NBA, you look on every – bench in the NBA, there's an assistant coach on that bench that's a, that's a, a coach of color that deserves an opportunity as well. Darvin Ham, who was given his opportunity this year, right. has taken forever to get that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's a shame because he's earned the right, you know, for years to have that, you know, to be put in that position. Mm-hmm. 
But luckily for him, you know, it's starting to take flight. Now I'm I'm extremely happy being a you know one of the former black coaches in this league right. that has some success. I am extremely happy to see your brothers getting that opportunity. And touching on that more, expanding on that is the fact that a lot of these coaches were also former players. Absolutely, and yeah. like yourself, and you know the challenges or the benefits of it. What, what do you think? Well, I think the challenge is that you got to get the respect from the other players. You know, being a former mm -hmm. player, uh, you know, because those former players. You know, or the, the current players, they look at you and they, they they go back on YouTube and all that stuff and they see if you were you know a good player and all that. If you can ball. Yeah, they see yeah. if you can ball. You know, I mean, I remember when I got into coaching my, my first year as an assistant coach, Kachino Mobley was playing for Houston, came up to mm -hmm. me and he was like, Coach, man, you had game back then. I was watching some, some videos, you were talking on people. You know, I was oh, like, Oh, that's great. Oh, okay, well, thank you. you know, I appreciate that. So that's instant respect mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that they give you. But I think the other thing is they also look and see if you really do know what you're talking about, you know. And I think as a former player, the one thing that I used to always come in with is that, you know, obviously I got respect right from the jump because I had three championships. Yeah. You know, so anytime I, you came up and said, well, why we have to do this? I was like, first of all, when you win a championship, then you can question yeah. what <laughs> I'm asking you to do. Until then, don't ask me, you know what, just right. do what I yeah. ask you to do. Right. You know, so I, I think that's one of the – the biggest hurdles. I think the, one of the one of the great benefits is that he he's a former player. He's yeah. been through what you're going through. Right. He knows where you come from. Mm -hmm. You know, so give him that Important. respect. You know, Pat Riley used to always say, you know, respect the position. We don't have a we don't have enough young people right now that respects the position. I don't care if he came from the video room, which a lot of coaches do come from the video mm -hmm. room. You know, he never played college ball or never played you know professional ball. But if he's the like head Spolstra. coach, if he's exactly mm -hmm. if he's the head coach. Respect to position, right. and I think that's a big, you know, a big thing that our culture don't do right now. Because if you if you haven't played, if you haven't won, or all that stuff, they look at you kind of like, man, what you gonna do for me, or what you gonna tell me? Right, you feel right, like that, right. Well, I, I mean, definitely he's right, yeah. but I feel like even if somebody didn't win, you still should respect them Absolutely. enough to, you know, okay. play for them and, and do your best. Right. Yeah. Being, yeah. A, being a player coach, like a, a coach that was formerly a player, like. There's obviously pros and cons that you touched on. Mm -hmm. But like what was like what was like the like what was some of the challenges that were really that you kinda had to overcome? Because obviously being a coach who played, you know what it's like to, you know, go through the drills, you know what it's like to travel, you know you know that experience. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I feel like players may look at you like, you know, especially if you they're kind of in that same like ten year age gap. Mm -hmm. They kinda look at you as more of a friend. Maybe you don't have that, you know, because I, I came from a rugby background and I had a player coach mm -hmm. who actually played with me and then became my head coach. Yeah. And I remember one time we were in Hong Kong and he was like, why are you out so late? I'm like, bro, two seasons ago, you, you were, were out with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, relax, like, well, I, right, I, I, don't, right. I respect you and right. I know what you're saying, that but like, I, I'm, still, yeah. like, I'm still doing my job. I'm right. showing up to practice, I'm right. performing. Yeah. So did you ever have any, any kind of pushback like that? Not really, because when I got into coaching, I, it wasn't anybody that I played with. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, I tried to make sure right away that I separated myself. Because I used to call Jerry West, you know, back in the day, a, a suit. You know, he would come mm -hmm. down. I was like, you a suit, man. Yeah. You know, you can't, Don't need to be down can't here. be coming down here doing all this, <laughs> talking all this. But that was the logo. You know, mm -hmm. you respected him big time. Yeah. So I looked at myself. Now it's a suit. And I had to make sure that I separated myself from them and let them know that, you know, I'm, I'm your coach. I'm a father figure. I, I always tell all the guys, you got to wear so many different hats. Yeah. You know, you, you got to be a psychiatrist, you got to yeah. be a mother, you got to be so many different people. But the one thing I always try to do is make sure I separated myself. You would never see me out where players are. And, and I, and I, them, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I told my son, as Meta knows my son, uh, when he got into coaching, you know, I brought him along 
uh, as a player development coach and things of that nature. And I said, listen, I'm gonna give you a few things advice-wise that you, you, you gotta make sure you do. I said, number one, you can't hang out with the guys now. Mm. You can't go out partying. You gotta separate yourself. If you want the organization to take you serious about being a head coach yeah. one day or anything, you gotta separate yourself from those guys and let them know that, listen, I'm your boy, but you know, we gotta get this work done. I don't hang out, you know, I, I gotta hang out with the coaches now. Yeah. You know, and that's showing yeah. them that you've kind of separated yourself from mm -hmm. that player. Was that hard though? Because I mean, being a former player, you know that camaraderie oh, in the locker room yeah. is tight, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you're kind of like a father figure. Right. Like, yeah. is, was Especially that if you go right into it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, you know? Right. I mean, it, it is hard because it, it is hard to separate that because you don't want to cut ties with guys. You don't want to all of a sudden, yeah. like, we ain't friends no more. We ain't boys. <laughs> yeah. Now, we still boys. It's just got to be a different level yeah, right. to that. Yeah, you know, because sure. I'm trying mm -hmm. to do a job. And you know me hanging out with you at two in the morning, I can't get that. <laughs> <Can't get inside, laughs> you know even though I so, want to go out, even though I would love to. <laughs> so I, I had to get that other you know camaraderie, which is my assistant coaches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you build a new other family. Yep. Yep. So right. the people that I hired are people that I know can do the job. Number one, but people that I have a lot of respect for is number two, and people that I know, you know, they, they're not yes men. They go, they got their own opinions about everything. Because the one thing I used to do in our coaches meeting is I would delegate certain things to my, my coaches. You know, you bring the game plan on how we gonna guard these guys and how we gonna defend these guys tonight. And, you know, fin the final say is mine, but the game plan that you wanna put and implement to the team, we're gonna take it to them, we're gonna you know, show it to them, we're gonna go through it, we're gonna go with that game plan. Now at halftime, if that game plan ain't working, <laughs> I'm changing it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm changing it, but I, I wanna give them, excuse me, the confidence of being able to say, hey, I put this all together. This is the best way I think we should play them. Mm -hmm. And it also shows that I got confidence in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking of assistant coaches, um, that's where you came from. And Absolutely. same with Darvin Ham. What kind of advice would you give him? Because, you know, first year of a head coach is much different than an assistant. I mean, for you, yeah. you were in Sacramento as assistant, and then you went to the Nets. But what was that big jump like? And, and how did you, how were you able to evolve that into becoming the head coach and yeah. successful at it. It's, it's a great question. And like I said earlier, that six inches over makes a big difference because now you can give all <laughs> the advice you want. But once you move from this first assistant to this job right here, which is head coach, everything yeah. falls on you. Yeah. And, and my advice to Darwin would be be yourself. Trust your instincts, mm -hmm. trust your gut, you know, and don't try to be something that you're not. You know, if you remember him as a player, he was tough, right? He was physical. That's what I was gonna say. Play right. hard. Yeah. Bring those attributes to your coaching style, right? You know, mm -hmm. and just be yourself. They'll respect that. Don't try to, you know, the, the one thing you can't do with players today is don't try to fool them. Don't try to play games. And right, right, right. You gotta right. be real. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you gotta be real. Um, I, I had a coach, and I ain't gonna mention the name because I don't want to put him on blast. <laughs> we were in New Orleans, and I had a thing every every night before games that me and my wife would always go to a movie. That was my way of relaxing mm -hmm. and getting ready for the game. Yeah. And Chris Paul came the next day and we had a shoot around. He was like, coach, did you see this team play? I was like, no, I was at the movies. And uh, one of our assistants was like, yeah, I saw him. And then, you know, Chris drilled him. Okay, did you see what he did? And my man didn't have <laughs> answers. I said, dog, you can't fool these dudes. Yeah. yeah. I said, you can't lie to him and try to, you know, it don't mm -hmm. work. I said, so right then, they won't trust you. Right, right, so, right. Like I said with Dalton, just be yourself, do your thing, mm -hmm. stay true to you.
But don't you think there's more pressure when you're coaching the purple and gold? Oh, I mean, you absolutely. know, I mean, that's a whole yeah. other level. I mean, Maddie, you know that. It's different. New York, oh, LA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, there's, there's a few markets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. lots and, of pressure to win. Just, yeah, Meta just mentioned them. Chicago, New Chicago. York, yeah. LA. Boston, yep. you know, Boston, when, yeah. when you get those jobs, they, they expect you to win right away. Right. Yeah. You know, there is no, let's build this up for the next four <laughs> or five years. You it's know, now. they expect now, especially when they got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, guys like that, they expect mm-hmm. to win now. So the pressure, the, the pressure is there. But I, I think with Darwin, and just like I, when I took the job, I, the pressure is what you put on yourself. You know, I, I think he's going to put more pressure on himself than the media or fans in L.A., or the organization can put on him because he wants to be successful. You don't take a coaching job saying, hey, I just hope, you know, I hope I win a few games. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, yeah, you take yeah, a coaching yeah, yeah, job yeah. saying, I, I'm going to win a championship. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm here for. You know, so I think, you know, as players, we always put more pressure on us than anybody can put on us. Mm-hmm. Why do you think yeah. those markets that you just mentioned, Chicago, Boston, New York, L.A., why there's so much more pressure on it? Is it because you know they have a history of winning? Is it because they're just bigger markets demographically? Our combination, like, why are these markets so much more? Yeah, I think it's both. Yeah. I think, like you said, you look at New York. You know, history of winning in all sports. Yeah, exactly. You know, all it's not just one. It's like all sports. Mm-hmm. Chicago is hockey, is football, is baseball. It's all sports. So when you get to the big markets that we're talking about, it's it's more pressure to win in those markets because of the history of the market. Yeah. You know, they've all been very successful, you know. And why? Because they are big markets, so they can pay the big bucks. They can yeah. get the, they can get the best Yeah, athletes. that's true. So they yeah. expect to win every yeah. single year. So you can't have two, three, four down years in one of those markets and be a coach and expect to survive. It mm-hmm. won't happen. No. How's the off the dribble with your podcast? I know you got that. It's a great name. Oh man. You I know, do like that know, name. It's yeah. a great name. Off the dribble, just like so <laughs> smooth. I was telling Coach when I was on this podcast. Yeah. Meta Meta was great on the show. We had a we had a lot of fun, boy, I'll tell you that. But it, it came up because me and my producer were just trying to figure out a name, you know. And he said, We well, used to catch and just pull up off the dribble and shoot. I was like, You know what? That sounds <laughs> good. I like, like it. Yeah, let's call it yeah. off the dribble with Byron Scott. I was like, Yeah. There you go. Cody, I said, I think you just came up with the name, but the podcast is doing well. We're yeah. about to start our third season next week. Um, and just like you met her when we had you on the show, man, we just, you know, you and me, I just like to have a conversation yeah. with people that I enjoy being around, people yeah, that definitely. I want to get to know better. The one thing about us as athletes, and athletes, as you know, when, we, when we're in, in, our, in our field, you know, we're doing what we do, we meet a ton of people. Mm-hmm. But we oh, don't yeah. get a chance mm-hmm. to sit down and really talk to those people. Yeah, exactly. You see them and you you know, you know you run into them. Like Dave Winfield and I, we've known each other for 20-plus years. We run into each other at all these events, but we had never sit down and had a 20-minute conversation. That's true, wow. right? You hug people. Hey, yeah. how you doing? You How's the family? How you doing? This and that. Good, and man. Good to see you. Very you, yeah. you, out, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you very say hello surfacing. to the wives. Yeah, how you doing? That's blah, 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 blah. And then you out. Yeah. And, and what I found out about the podcast is that I, I'm getting a chance to talk to all those people but really sit down for 45 to 50 minutes and just talk. Yeah. And, and not only about their career, about, you know, some of the places we've been together. Yeah. And, and just everything, you know. And, and so I try to get as much in as I can and, and try to keep it as positive as I can because that's what I want. That's how that's who I am. I'm a very positive, and you, you know, outgoing person. And you had a lot of people on the show. You had uh, myself. You had Jamie. Yeah. Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Um, who are, who, who are some Cedric of the names? Entertainer. Big Seth. Oh, uh, I mean, Funny that must be too. fun. I, yeah. Funny Coop, guys. You know, yeah. Michael Thompson, Michael Cooper, James Worthy. Oh. You know, all my Laker boys as well. Gary Vitti. Um, you had Gary Vitti on? <laughs> I had Gary Vitti on. Vivica A. Fox. You know, so... It's just people, like I said, that I love talking to, that I that I admire, 
that I've seen from you know for a number of years, and I was like, man, all right, well, let me go through my Rolodex. I got, let me give him a call. Yeah, I got a podcast yeah. going on. Would you do my podcast? Yeah, when? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Appreciate you. Cool, you know, so I appreciate you. Absolutely. And then, so, have you been getting any? Um, Feedback from this that one in time show. Are you able to? Yeah. Have you talked oh, about it? I was so it? curious about that. I wanted I to know, know too. Because like, season two's I haven't coming. Really watched it, honestly. Yeah, season, season two's coming. coming. I haven't watched it because I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm yeah, like, I didn't, yeah. Man, you gotta watch I'm it. hearing some people's not happy. I didn't like people not happy. I don't like people not happy. A lot of people not happy, but you gotta watch it, man, because you, you, you got a good idea about the Laker history, but it's gonna take you even farther back because it goes into your Magic's first year in the NBA, and. I didn't come until his fourth year. Right. So this is three years prior to me. But, you know, being there for so long and hearing all the stories and being around those, being around Dr. Buss. See, that's the thing. Being around Coop, being around Cat, being around Mm -hmm. Buck. You know, so I know a lot of the stories. You know, just like the first episode, you know, they had Jerry West going crazy. Right, right. Throwing shit and, you know, just going crazy. And he's pretty upset about that. Yeah, he's suing HBO. She said, when I met him, he didn't see, is he really like, I said, no, he ain't nothing No, like and that's, a, yeah, mm. the way they portrayed so, him. So, I mean, I got, I got a call from loved ones, you know, saying that they were suing. Yeah. Know, Jerry yep. wasn't happy. Yep. Right, I heard that too. And, mm-hmm. it, and it did put him in a bad light, because that's not the Jerry West I know. No, Jerry West, same. Now, you talking about intense? Yes. Of course. You know, understands talent, you know, that, that other part about he didn't want magic, he wanted Sydney. Yeah. Come on, man. Because of smile, like smile <laughs> yeah. too much. I was and all really that. interested yeah. in that. Come on, man. Come yeah. on, Jerry is one of the best ever to evaluate talent. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I Absolutely. mean, one of the best ever. So Ever. Ever. That's what I you think. Know, so, you know, him get he, he wanted magic here. You know, there's no doubt about that. But to portray him the way they portrayed him mm-hmm. on the show, I thought for me, I was I was I was disappointed because I know Jerry West Same. real well, and that's not the logo. Because I've been yeah. I went to the Lakers for 13 years, and so I hate the way a lot of the Chick Hearn, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They, they betrayed these guys, and the, really, you won't like it. Like and me being so close <laughs> yeah, to Dr. You, Buss, you're going to be sitting yeah. there. Yeah. I don't like it. I know. I was. Uh, you will you'll, you'll be like. People mm. was like, I was hearing two different things. So I yeah. said, you know, I'm just not gonna, yeah. <laughs> gonna yeah. watch well, it. You know, I, I know, I know. Bug didn't watch it. Cat wouldn't watch it. Uh, I watched one they, episode and that was it. For yeah, me. my wife was like, "We gotta watch." I was like, "Babe, yeah. I know most of this stuff." Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm right. saying? So no need. But some of it, I would look at and be like, "That ain't right." That wouldn't happen. That, that didn't happen. Oh, yeah, that ain't yeah. what happened. So but how your was boy, that? But your boy, I want to tell you this: your boy Gary V. You know, they had him on the he's set. He's in it, I did isn't see he? It. Yeah, he's in it. He walked out. They had oh, him. He on was the one who walked out. He walked out. I heard someone walked out. I wasn't sure who was. BS. Wow, I didn't know. Walked out. I did see him on the show. They have him in the draft room, right? At some point, yeah. Yeah, left. He was like, no, nah, I'm not going to be a part of this. So if someone's going to play you, what actor do you want him to play Byron Scott oh in, in season three, winning time? <laughs> Jamie Foxx. <laughs> Who? Jamie Foxx. Jamie would be good. He'd be good at anything. Jamie, Jamie would be so good. talented. Jamie, get you Jamie is, nail it on the spot. Jamie, Jamie's so talented. It's unbelievable, man. Um, I don't know. I, I really yeah. don't. To be honest with you, I, I have no idea. it's coming. Idea. <laughs> but yeah, if they go to season three, it's coming. You know? Yeah. And it, it'll be interesting And it's to like see. the number one show on cable right now. Yeah, it was. So it's yeah. They, they didn't have me, James, or Kirk cast. Yeah. And I guess that's what they're talking about now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. I, I got to watch that just to make sure I'm be like, no, nope, that wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't do that. You know? <laughs> now you're suing. <laughs> I'm not, I ain't going to sue. I'm going to just cuss their ass out. <laughs> I ain't going to sue. <laughs> did you prefer um, They Call Me Magic? Because that show... Oh, I did. Good. That was that amazing. One? I did. Oh, the Magic. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 they came out pretty much the same time, yeah? Yeah. 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 
It came out probably a week or two after winning time. Right, and it's really good. Yeah, they really have a legacy good. one coming out, too. The, yeah, the Laker yeah. legacy. Oh, the, oh, yeah, right. the, the true story. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, Jeannie made did sure you, of that. Did you interview? Yeah, did you interview? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Me, too. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, just, I just ran into Linda and Kurt uh, last week. Yeah. And she said she's, she's seen it, and she said it's really good. Wow. And she said, they interviewed you a lot in there. I was like, really? I was like, okay. <laughs> what I she say? She said, because we told the truth. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, and you you know me. I'm, you know, right. I, you, you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. You might not like it, but. It's truthful, I'm gonna it's genuine. I'm going to be honest with you. So does it feel so far removed from being a champion in this city? Because I, I often walk around, my last championship was 2010, and so sometimes people relive those moments. Oh, absolutely. Are people still reliving the moments when they see you around? Oh, absolutely. And it does absolutely. it feel like yesterday? I wouldn't say yesterday. Yesterday. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah, a couple of months ago. But it, you, it, it's funny when when people approach me that you know that recognize me still. Yeah. You know, most of them are 30, 40, 50, you know, years old. Yeah. And they'll have their kids with them, and they'll you know they'll be like, "Sons, that's that's Byron Scott, play with the Lakers." Kid is looking like yeah, yeah, no, that's you know, what I know. Humble and yeah, he, he looks at me like this. I don't know. Do you, you know, know LeBron? Yeah, you know LeBron, though. I bet you do. He'll look at me and just be like, and his dad is just keep going on and on. I'll be like, no, it's okay. You know, yeah, right, right. Whatever, take a picture. And then, you know, the dad would be like, no, no, we're going to Google you when we get home. He'll know. Yeah. Then he'll you know? know, yeah. I was like, all right. But it, it's still cool to walk around the city that I love, the city I grew up, you know, grew up here in Inglewood. You know, this is home for me. So, uh, you, you still get that that great feeling of being yeah. a champion, you know, because you were here during some of the glory years, just yeah. like you were in 2010. That's mm -hmm. that's that's the glory years of uh, of uh, you know the Los Angeles Lakers organization. So yeah, I'm still very proud of you know playing for that purple and gold and winning those championships. And are you going to give us other teams with the bags, with the overtime? We like bags listen, or? listen. The, so it's just not just the Lakers. Lakers. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Every every team store that this goes in will be a, a replica of that team. Okay, mm. nice. You know, so when we go to San Francisco and Golden State, it'll be Golden State. It'll be the Warriors. You know, and so I gotta get yeah, a pacer one. We, yeah. 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 See, <laughs> see, I gotta get a. I was I was gonna get a pace, pacer one as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Pacer yeah. one as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Donnie yeah, Walsh. we have all those teams. Don Walsh was great. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it's not just the Lakers. We're, we're okay. doing all 30 teams in the NBA. And just one player per team? Like, you have Magic here? No, we, we, just okay. have, we just have Magic right here just showing this is what the, the uh, Legends series would look <gasps> oh, like. Oh, okay. So this would gotcha. be Magic. It would be a Kareem. There will be a James Worthy. There will be a Byron Scott. Oh, there will be right. a Michael Cooper. Mm. And then when we go to the other Lakers, there will be a Meta. Mm. Yeah. There will be a Kobe. A lot of legends be, on the Lakers. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You start going to other teams. They're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's who's gonna, our gonna legend? Be, <laughs> well, we know, we know how, how powerful the Laker merchandise is. Oh, yeah. You know, in in all the world, is is still one of the best selling merchandise. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, in sports, it is. you know, so we we know that that brand is going to do well. Boston will probably do well, yes. as, you know, as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to do you know three different series. Chicago will do well too. Chicago will do well too. So we're we're, we're excited about it launching in September. I well, like that's them. incredible. And so the first ever license with the NBA. Yeah. Player, it's great right? to see that's the NBA player, doing business yeah. with players. Mm -hmm. You know what? It was funny because you know Leah Wilcox. Yeah. You know my girl Leah. I call Leah. And I said, Lee, I got a product that I want to get licensed by the NBA. Who do I talk to? And she gave me a person's name. I called her. She called me right back. She talked to me briefly, and she said, well, what is it? And I said, I said I'll send you a picture right now. I sent her a picture, and she said, wow, this is nice. She said, uh, first, you got to talk to our people in Asia. And so we got on the phone with them, and then we started doing Zoom calls, showing them the product, uh, told them what we wanted to do with the product. Mm -hmm. And they said, 
okay, I, I think we can we can do something for you guys. And this was like August, and I was, you this know, this past me, August, like uh, twenty twenty. I was gonna ask how long it took to develop it. That's quick, very quick. For you to have a prototype so, and all yes, of that, that's I quick. Said, I said twenty twenty one because we are, I had already talked to my partner about it. So we had already, you know, start gathering some stuff, and we just did Lakers stuff. We was like, look, we just gonna do Lakers. Yeah, stuff. yeah. And so <laughs> we sent it to the NBA, and she started looking at it. She said, I think we can we can work out a, a license agreement with you guys. And I said, okay, can we get it done by Christmas? You know, I was like, you know, I want these out by Aggressive, Christmas. You know, yeah. I was trying to get out. She said, Coach, you know what? Uh, it normally takes a year plus yeah. to get a license agreement. She said, you're, you're asking us to do this in like five months. <laughs> I said, well, hey, I said, can you do it? She That's said, when you we'll pulled up. Do you know who I am? <laughs> no, I, you know, I didn't pull that, though, but... I'm on the I'm on the Zoom yeah, right here right, talking here to him. You know? Yeah. And she said we'll try our best. And then December came and they was like we we can't get we can't get it done. And then February they sent me an email at like three in the morning our time. But you know they they're over in uh, Hong Kong. And she said congratulations we we will we we have given you the license agreement for Asia. And I said thank you so much. But <laughs> well, we're not ready. We need more time. Yeah, no, no, no. I was like no. But what about here? What about the United States? Yeah. And they said, well, we can't do the whole United States. I said, why not? You know, I'm just pushing. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they kept giving me answers. They was like, well, because of this, because of this, this. But let, 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 let me get back to you. And she got back to me. She said, how about we'll do all the arenas? I said, okay. I said, I appreciate that. I said, now, in doing arenas, you do got fans. I said, Lakers got fans in Montana, mm -hmm. Idaho, Everywhere. Know, places where there are no NBA teams. No, no. I said, is it okay if we do them in all arenas, but if they go on, if every fan can go on social media or to their website, they can order it. Is that okay? Is that still, they said, that's fine. Okay. That's said, cool. huge. And then she hit me with, and we're gonna also give you Australia and the Philippines. I said, okay, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that's really I said, okay, good. I'm good. I, I won't beg for the, the whole United States right now. I think once they get out and they're popular, I think the Especially NBA the Philippines, it's, basketball's huge oh, there. Yes. Philipp and, you like, and you like fashion, too. Yeah. And yeah. you love fashion. I love fashion. Yeah. You know, I so see I'm some like, of your gears, it's really fashionable. Yeah, you know me, man. <laughs> I, got, I, got I got a very fashionable wife. Yeah, you your know, wife's fashionable. That likes to, likes to you know, dress and go out and do this and yeah. do that. So she gets me to wear stuff that I look at her sometimes and be like, I ain't wearing that. You know, <laughs> like, put I it on your seat, right? I ain't wearing that. You crazy. Then all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm outside wearing it. You know, yeah, yeah, the power yeah. of a woman, right? <laughs> <laughs> power of persuasion, I guess. No, that's great. Man. I'm, it's, so, it's so great to see this era, even like from the, not only the younger players, not only like the LeBron James of the world, that's doing big things, but yeah. you get a guy like, even a guy like Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. You know, yeah, look uh, at him. People yep. like, you know, myself doing different things, yourself yeah. doing different things, but it's good to see that you know, the players are actually getting out and getting involved. It's, yeah, is that I relatively, agree. A, is that like relatively a new thing that's coming like coming up through the league? Like, because all these opportunities that are now available to the LeBrons and the younger, the yeah. current generation, like, obviously you, like, did that kind of start, like, in the early 2000s? Or did, you know what I mean? Like, post-career back well, in the 80s. Yeah, because just MJ at one point. Yeah, I, I yeah. think you know? it started a little bit early. I think MJ kind of got it started, yeah. got it going with all the endorsements Magic? and stuff he oh, was okay. getting. You know what I mean? Michael, yeah. Michael was getting the huge endorsements, and then Irvin started getting endorsements. Right. You know, but it, it kind of came along with that. That that took it to a different level as far as endorsements and everything. It was still more of that, you know, still shut up and dribble yeah, exactly. type thing. Yeah. So you didn't have players getting involved politically and yep. anything like that. Until like LeBron started coming in, he started voicing his opinion yeah. about you know uh, political you know aspects of yep. what's going on, 
And won't, I won't sit down with Trump, but I'll sit down with Obama. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, things of that nature start opening up players' eyes and start getting, you know, that they understood that they had a voice. Yeah, they can go ahead and they had that platform that they can go out and start talking about things and not feel, uh, you know, feel obligated to just the team, but they, they felt more obligated to the community as well. Yeah. So I, I think it kind of started with, with, with Magic and Bird, you know, kind of coming mm -hmm. to the league. MJ took it to a different level. Mm -hmm. And LeBron has took it to a level where I think a lot of players now are starting to really look at it and say, man, okay, I can do other things outside of basketball exactly. and be very successful. And Kobe as well. And, Kobe. Oh, yeah, Kobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kobe, Kobe as well. Does, a, does the league kind of like have like a program where they kind of have players go through X, Y, and Z and kind of prepare them for life after basketball? Or is it not, is it kind of you just kind of fend for yourself? You know what they do, and I don't, I don't know if they still do, but I know when I was playing and when I got into coaching, they had a program that everybody would go to, all the rookies yeah, would go to yeah. every year. It was in Orlando, mm -hmm. and it was the rookie transitional yep. period. Okay. And they would take you through all those aspects and tell you the things that you can get involved in, you know, why you're playing. They would bring in Junior Bridgman, who was, you know, who owns Wendy's. Okay. A ton of Wendy's. Ton he, of he, yeah, he's the, um, he, he owns more Wendy's than any uh, African-American in in the world, okay, you know, so he, he would come in and talk to him about how he got started with Wendy's, and they would bring different guys in from McDonald's and other, you know, just to show guys that after basketball you can be still very successful. Exactly. So it was a program. I don't know if they still do rookie orientation like that, but it was a program way back in the day that where they were definitely getting guys. They better. do, and now they tap into the financial aspect yeah. of it, money management, and all that, which is important. Yeah. I find very that very important. Yeah. I think that you know, obviously that's super important when you. But when you're a rookie and you're 19, 20, 21 coming to the league, you're probably not going to be listening too hard. You know what I mean? Like you're, I think that should be extended. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you know what towards you, the tail end. You, yeah, you do that yeah, program then, and then maybe six years later, five years, when you hit the 25 to 26, seven mark, mm -hmm. is when you should do it again. Mm -hmm. And have those guys come in that summer again and kind of, you know, like you said, it's a refresher. It's hitting that, re, hitting that reset button. And remember what we talked about? Now you're in your fifth or sixth year in yeah. the NBA. You might have four or five years left. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now you better start thinking about, mm -hmm. you know, life after basketball and some of the things that you want to get involved in. I know when I was in my like eighth year, I started dibbling dabbling in real estate. You know, so when I did the uh, the real estate development property, you know, for student housing in Long Beach, mm -hmm. it was like, you know, second fiddle. Okay, I remember this. Mm -hmm. You know, but I had done something about it while I was playing. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so a refreshing course wouldn't be a bad idea for a lot of these guys. Yeah, because that's a great question. Because when they're yeah. 2021, right. they don't want to hear no. that. When, you know? 20, so when you were no, 20, we're all 20, in our 20s, all yeah. we're doing is going out and doing that. our own yeah. thing. Well, first of all, they give you a ton of money, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm rich, number one. Number two, I'm going to play forever. Exactly, yeah. I'm going to play yeah. forever. And, and they don't realize that, you know, 10 years go like that. An injury, that's it. Yeah. And some guys mm -hmm. are injury away, they done. Two yep. years, three that's years, it. they're out. You know. And I said to myself, when I got drafted in the NBA, I said, I want to play 10 years in the NBA. If I play 10 years, I'm good. Man, that 10 years went so fast. I was like, oh, <laughs> hell no. I got to play four or five more if I can, you know, because yeah. it went so fast. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I think that would be a great idea for the NBA. Yeah, 100%. No it makes sense. Not only the NBA, all the sports. Yeah, yeah. All the sports. 100%. Yeah. They've been doing that more. A lot of uh, these different symposiums and conferences with the players. I'm actually going to one um, coming up in Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. just going to speak on. They're doing teaching players like digital marketing and real yeah, estate, different good. things. That's Especially with really today's good. social media and all the stuff you can do. Yeah. You know, we didn't have all this. Right. You know, we didn't have. That we paved the way, though. That could be. Yeah. That could be the way. Right. Now yeah. they have this big platform. Yeah, they, their platform is so huge right yeah. now. They can go in so many different directions now, opposed to back in our day, 
Um, like I said, most of the guys in our day was trying to get in real estate because that was probably the best way to make money. Yeah. You know, and Dr. And, Buss probably told you guys Dr. about Buss, real you know, estate. Because yeah. of him doing mm -hmm. real estate. So a lot of guys were looking at real estate as a way to uh, continue to live the lifestyle that you're accustomed to living once you're done playing the game of basketball. Yeah, absolutely. I want, I want to talk about like what it was like playing in the 80s because we kind of you mm. talked about a little bit about social media and how it is now and the platform that they that players have today which is good yeah however yeah. there's the other side of it you know we in the 80s there was no social media there's you don't you're walking around with a computer in your pocket right so right. you can live your life a little <laughs> bit more anonymously right. maybe not in la in the 80s because right, you're right. a part of the standard you still have to use that phone in the corner though but being part of that 80s dynasty that the showtime lakers man that must have been unbelievable time to be in la it, it, it was we were a rock we were like a, a rock group you know like rock the band, like the yeah. Beatles. you know everywhere we went where we would land we would go to the hotel there, there's hundreds and thousands of people out there you know trying to grab you get a you know get a glimpse of you or whatever calling your room when you're in the room once they get in the hotel it which was could be good or bad crazy. Yeah, exactly <laughs> which could be good or bad you're right I i'll mean, be honest was, yeah no you're right i mean I, i'll be honest too i mean there, there was it was pandemonium when we were on the road, mm -hmm. you know, it, like yeah. you said, it was it was just like a, 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 you know, like the Beatles, just traveling. Except we played basketball, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it was that crazy. And like you said, it was a good thing probably for us that we didn't have social yeah. media yeah. and didn't have these phones where you can you know record and take pictures Showing and all that movement. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because it was it was a crazy crazy time. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm I, I only speak for me. You know, I was, yeah. I was a red blooded man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. There were yeah. times where you'd be like, oh, oh. Okay, yeah, how you doing, you know? But yeah, yeah, it was it was a great it was a great time to play basketball here in yeah. LA. City here, you know, obviously loved the Lakers, mm -hmm. you know, big time. And you know, going to the forum and being showtime and having actors and actresses mm -hmm. come to the game to see you play. And it was like it was like a show, you know, because you know, when we got on the court, you know, like Magic used to always say, you put that purple and gold on, you gotta be ready to perform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we were ready to perform every night on the stage because before that the lakers were kind of like that your generation that really put the lakers on the map correct because before then it was yeah kinda, oh, absolutely kind of like lukewarm yeah. as a team yeah i mean they got to the point you know for a while with jerry west and chamberlain and elgin baylor those guys they couldn't beat boston you know they couldn't get over the hump mm -hmm. with them uh they won those 33 games straight which still is a record to this day they won the championship but that was like in 72 something like that mm -hmm. you know what I mean? yeah so it, it was like a drought for about 10 years until you know magic came they trade to get kareem and then boom it just yeah. you know showtime just took off and then magic calling it showtime and oh, that came from magic just, yeah and the name and everything it's just kind of matched and man and then dr bus you know bringing the laker, laker girls. girls yeah that's yeah. what i heard you know, the team that ever done that so your first year did you have laker girls here yeah. Oh yeah! Remember now, I came three years after Magic. Right, so, so Magic's right, first year, Magic's rookie year was Laker girls. Yeah, Paul Abdul was on that. Yeah, Paul Abdul was on that. Was on that squad, and then you know, Doctor Bus also did prime, you know, prime ticket. Yep. You know, for because all home games were blacked out, and he said, "Why?" You know, so he did. He did the first like cable network yeah. where you can buy the cable and see all Laker games. Mm. So he was an innovator. Yeah, yeah. Totally he, he still was one yeah. of the greatest owners I think Ever. of all time. Yeah. Uh, things that he brought to the game and brought to the NBA to this day. Every team in the league got cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, every team <laughs> and he would give all those cable. tickets to you the celebrities I mean? yeah. for free in the beginning to yeah. get him there to go. And then yeah. he's like, now you're going to pay me because you want to be that. here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. giving out because they weren't very good. Mm -hmm. So he was giving out stuff just trying to fill the arena. 
Yeah. And uh, you know, first year he bought it, he was he had to take loans out. Yep. Everything, boom, they win the championship. Yep. And he was now a mathematician so too. Yeah. I think yeah. he was like, a, like an engineer oh, mathematician. Yeah he, yeah, he was extremely, extremely smart. And we definitely missed bus. I remember at times no he would doubt. get breakfast sometimes and just like chill out. And he never really got involved in the game though. No. And you can go to him and you could be like, oh man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not happy about something, but he would never get involved. No. Yeah, he, he, he just, mean, again, like like we said earlier, you want you want to have people in the room smarter than you. Yeah. He owned the team, but he wasn't a bad. He's actually said guy. that before. He wanted yeah. people in the room that so knew more about basketball. So he got Jerry West. Him. Right. Yep. And Jerry West would go to him and say, you know, I think we should make this trade. And Dr. Buss' question would be, is it going to make us better? <laughs> yeah. Make the trade. Yep. You know, so he never got into, you know, you know, why should we do this? Or, or like a lot of owners now, as you know, Meta, that go down and say, you know, we need to get this guy. We need to get this yeah. guy. He was like, no, no, no. I own the team. You run yeah. the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he he let he let people do their job. And that's why they won. Because look, look like a Jerry Jones, you go to the NFL, and he's trying to do everything, and you can't just be the owner. He also wants to be the GM and the right. coach and, the, and right. the puppeteer. You know, right. and it doesn't work. No, just own the team. Yep. And and hire people that are very competent about what they do exactly. and know their business and trust them. Exactly. Absolutely. If you was available in that '91 Finals, what what do you think that when you? Ooh. Yeah, this, yeah. It was, you know, there's two finals. There's two finals. That '88. The 88-89 finals. Right. When me and Magic both get hurt. Yes. We hurt our hamstrings. Against who? Against Detroit. Okay. You know, I pulled mine the night before the series, and not even pulled it. It was a partial tear. Yeah. So I was out for like three months. Magic pulls his game one, and we lose that series. I think to this day, if we healthy, we still win that series. I think to this day, if the one thing I will say about Chicago in our series, if I was healthy, they wouldn't have beat us 4-1. Right. But they were so good at that yeah. time and so driven and so hungry that I think they I think they still would have beat us because James was even hurting. Mm. If James was healthier and I was healthy, it would have been a better it been a much better series. But that team at that time, you know, they were new kids on the block. You know, we were the old dogs that had already <laughs> won a bunch of championships, you know, and I, I think they were probably a little even though we were hungry, I think they were a little bit more hungry than we were yeah. that year. And who did you overlap with? I mean, I overlapped with MJ. I just missed you. Yeah. I overlapped with MJ. Yeah. I played with Randy Brown. I played with Will Perdue. I played with Dickie Simpkins. You know, like, who were some of the people? I played against Mash Room, but he was still in the prime. I played against, um, who else I played against? Eldon Campbell. I, yeah. Who did you cross <laughs> over? Who did you cross over with? Oh, man. See, I played against MJ. I came in before MJ. I played yeah, against before. Reggie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I played against the Cassell, Sam Cassell. Okay. I played against Ray Allen. Mm. I played against The Rock, Mitch Richmond. Oh, yeah. wow. You know, I played against TMC, you know. TMC. What about Chris early Miller. in your career? Early Which, in my who, career. Who was leaving? Uh, Sidney Moncrief. Okay. Uh, okay. Andrew Tony. Mm. Uh, you know, I played against DJ, Dennis Johnson. Mm. You know, so, I, I mean, I played against some guys. Andrew Tony was a monster. You know, and I mean, he had the he had the great name of, as, as the the Boston Strangler back in the <laughs> he day. Yeah, such a great nickname. Yeah, because everybody it. when they played Boston, when Philly played Boston, they had nobody that can guard Andrew Tony. He would destroy Boston. Mm-hmm. I gotta so check Boston, this out. Check him out. Uh, Boston made a trade to get Dennis Johnson just to guard Andrew Tony, and DJ guarded everybody. Yeah, and he could guard him. You know, my rookie year I guarded Andrew Tony. We played Philly, and Andrew was known as a six two six three. Real strong, stocky guy that can just flat out score. And Pat Riley's like, uh, "Baby B, you got him." I was like, "Cool." 
Because <laughs> I, I loved Andrew Tony. I watched him. I watched him and Sidney Moncrief and all these yeah. dudes. So I was like a big fan. And I was, you know, as a rookie, you want to go against the best and see where you stack yeah. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, cool, I get to guard Andrew Tony. Yeah. The game is over. We win the game. I had like 26. I had a great game, right? And Pat Riley came in the locker room and was like, baby B, great job on Andrew. I was like, thanks, coach. Appreciate it. And then the stat sheet came in. And when the, you know, we went in the shower. You know how you slap it on the wall? Andrew had 30. <laughs> <laughs> and, he was, I was, and I looked at him. I said, damn. He said, I did a great job. The dude had 30. But the dude was, he was, he was a monster. No, I got I to look go him back, up. Sidney Moncrief, Andrew Tony, guys like that. Walter Davis. Some bad boys. Yeah. He, did you cross with, um, did Moses cross with you? Yes. Moses, Moses too, yeah. Was he towards the, at the end or was he? He was, he was still towards, right? the end. towards the end. He was so, towards the so end. So still pretty good. But still pretty good. Man, yeah. Moses, you know, it, the dude was 16, couldn't jump real high, but man, this dude grabbed every, he was relentless in his, you know, pursuit of the basketball. Yeah. Just relentless, man. The ball would go up and this dude was just kept going, just kept going. So he was one of those guys you would, if I was a big, I would hate to play against him because he never stopped. Yeah. He had a motor that was just unbelievable. Absolutely. So how was it coming in with Kobe and then actually leaving with our brother Kobe, Kobe Bryant, RIP Kobe Bryant? How was it like coming in with Kobe as a rookie then actually being there for the 60 piece? Man, (laughs) you know what? Kobe's rookie year was my last year with the Lakers, right? So I'm 36 years old. He's just turned 18. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this damn kid could be my son. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, he could be my son. Yeah. And... For some reason, we just kind of gravitated towards each other. You know, Kobe would always ask questions. We start sitting on the bench together. We sit on the bus together, and he would always talk about basketball. We would take, you know, we went to um, Marina Del Rey and just walk around, and we would just talk about ball. Yeah. And as you know, Kobe was just a historian of basketball. You know, he was like, man, I wish I played in the, in the uh, 80s with you guys. He's like and an I, old, he had an old spirit. Yeah, old, old spirit. Yeah. And I told him, no, I'm glad you didn't play in the 80s. He said, why, coach? I said, because you'd have been playing. I would have been sitting on the bench. <laughs> I said, I want, why would I want you playing in the 80s with me? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it was great to see him, you know, 17 to 18 years old, his rookie year, and then to come back, you know, 18 years later and coaching. And following those whole 18 years, you know, while he was playing and watching the maturation of Kobe Bryant from a kid, to a man and from a kid that was a good player to a man that was one of the best ever, you know, was just, it, it made me just smile inside out yeah. because, you know, I always, you know, everybody always said, well, you have something to do with that. I said, man, you don't understand. I had very, very little to do with Kobe Bryant's being as great as he was. I right. said, you don't understand the heart and the mind of this kid. But it sounds like you were a mentor to him though. Well, here. I, I, I'll take a little credit for that. Yeah. that you yeah. know, I showed him the ropes yeah. and we would talk, you know, on a daily basis and all that was great. That's important. And, and it is important. You know, I, I'm probably, you know, trying to downplay it a little too much, but I understood that, you know, from, from like two weeks into our practices, I was like, man, this kid gonna be all off the chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm telling you guys, and so the NBA Entertainment asked me to do a special with him, with Kobe and Shaq, where I'm the interviewer. Okay. And I would go around and all this. So we're practicing one day, and after practice, we sit down on the bench, and I said, you know, we called him Shobo. You know, I said, Shobo, come here. And he came over, and it's, it's still a video out to this day. I mean, it's 20-something years old, but it's, and I put my arm around. I said, this, this, this kid we call Shobo. I said, and I said, mark my words, this kid is going to be unbelievable. I said, and I'm not saying this because he's sitting here. And Kobe, you know, he said, no, I'm going to pass him a couple of dollars later on, you know. <laughs> and I said, I'm saying this because I see him every day 
working out. I see this kid in the gym when the lights are off. He goes, to pa- he goes to Pacific Palisades to shoot when their gym is open. I said, the kid is going to be unbelievable. And, you know, you know, it's, it's almost like I was a prophet to yeah. a certain extent because the kid. But I didn't think Meta. I knew he was going to be great, but third leading scorer in the history of the NBA. Right. 20 years in the NBA. You didn't think that? I didn't, I, wow. I, I guess when I was thinking of greatness, I didn't put a ceiling on where it was. Where I didn't put a number on what it You know what I mean? Yeah. I just knew he was going to be great. I just didn't know how great he was going to be. And that's the thing that, you know, still excites me when I talk about him. His last game, that 60-point game, which we were both part of, we yeah. got a chance to sit there and watch. If you remember, <laughs> that game started off not very good. Yeah, he was I mean, 0 for 5. Yeah, he couldn't hit He couldn't hit the side of the backboard. I thought you was going to sub me for a minute. Oh, man. <laughs> I, just, I just knew Coach was going to put me in the game. There, I was sitting there going, man. I was just like, oh. I'm standing there, and he's 0 for 5. And then we go back. I was like, man, I don't want Kobe to go this. I don't want him to go out this way. Yeah. That's all I can think. I don't want him to go out this way. Mm. Then he comes down, he gets fouled. He makes two free throws, and then he comes down. His I said, "Okay, here we go, here we go." You know, but sixty. Yeah, man. The fourth quarter, with six minutes left in the game, he had forty something. Because I remember looking up, going, "Oh my God!" I said, "KB got 40. and we still got six minutes left. But he was over there on the bench. He was just worn out. You're getting tired. He was worn out, and I, I walked over to him. I put my hands on his knees. I said, you got six more minutes in that body of yours? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, this was yeah. all Will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had nothing to do with, I mean, Will and Hart. Oh, yeah. It wasn't nothing to do with condition. He was right, done. Right, 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 right. He was right. done. It was just Will, yeah. sheer Will, and sheer Hart. And when he hit 60, and you know, I saw him out, walked over to Shaq. Remember he went over to Shaq, gave yeah. me Shaq a hug, gave Gary Vitti, gave me a hug, told me he loved me, and I told him I love him. And then he walked over to the bench, and I was just like, damn, I'll never see this in my lifetime. A player that's a retired player, 37 years old, gets 60 right. in his final. I said, MJ didn't get no. nowhere near 60 yeah. in his last in the game. final game. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it was, an, it was an honor and a pleasure to witness that, you know, to be there for his last game. And I remember asking him before the game, I said, listen, I, I need them shoes after the game. KB, I, I got your shoes after the game, right? You got him, coach. Oh, did he give them to you? No, after the game. And and when he said, I was like, I hear you. Came out, I said, KB, bring those shoes back. He said, Coach, my bad. Gigi wants them. Mm. I said, no problem. Fair enough. Yeah, of course. I said, he said, I'll get you. I said, no, no, KB. That trumps all. Mm -hmm. I said, don't even worry about it. So, yeah. I don't think you should under like underestimate your your effect on him as a mentor, because that's such a pivotal role for a young player in any sport. You see it across in hockey, you see it in football, you see it in rugby, you see it in everything. You know, the young kids coming in, into the league are looking for a little yeah. bit of direction yeah. um, from from people who have done it, from from pioneers of the game. So, I mean, that that impacts people. Because I remember when I was young, and guys would, like, buy me a beer when I whatever, whatever they right, would do. Right. You, you, that's, that sticks yeah, with you. Sticks with so you. I'm sure you had the same thing when you first came into the league, someone an older veteran on the team kind of took you under their wing and did the same. And it's it's very powerful as a young person. Yeah. yeah. Do you have someone, someone or was there not? No, it was, it was magic and, and, so and it cool. was magic, okay. You know, cool. After the first week of them beating the shit out of me and everything, <laughs> you know, after that, you know, and finding out that I wasn't going to take it no more, I was like, look, man, I'm tired of y'all hitting me and all this. I said, listen, next one of y'all elbow me, it's on. It's, it's on. It's on. I was like, it's on. I said, I'm serious. I understand you pissed off because they traded Norm. <laughs> 
I said, I understand, but you know, I, I said they was mad about that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So they in practice just taking shots, and I would be like, they probably okay. want you a little okay. bit. Yeah. All right. All right. But after the first week, I was like, man, I was like, all right, next one of y'all throw a shot. I said, it's on, dog. I'm from Inglewood, dog. I, I, don't, I ain't taking this. I'm going to punch your ass. And, and then they, they respect like, that. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, okay. You know, and then he told me, he said, we had to test you. Yeah, exactly. So now that we test you, we good. Now you're in. Yeah. They had my back, and, you know, Magic showed me the ropes along with Coop, and especially Coop defensively. Yeah. You know, Magic, you know, everything else, Coop defensively showed me everything. But you, you, you're right, though. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm downplaying, downplaying the significance of it, you know, that I had with Kobe. I know it helped him tremendously, you know, but I don't take credit for that talent that that man had and that damn heart and that determination he had. He was, yeah. his work ethic was second to none. Yeah, of course. How difficult was that last season? You had, oh, man. I was older, Kobe was yeah. older, you know, uh, and we had a young group. Yeah. Then you had, I'm assuming you had fans thinking we was going to win a championship that yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. How, how difficult was that season? How, how did you manage it? It, it was very difficult because it's hard to tell L.A. fans to be patient. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's what I had to do. That's what Mitch and, and the organization had to do. We had a bunch of young guys. We had a, a guy in Kobe who's a, you know, a Hall of Famer, but he's on his last leg. We had another defensive Hall of Famer right here. You know, it's his last year as well. So I love the fact that we were trying to bridge the gap between the old schools and the new schools, just trying to get them to mesh together because – as Meta know, a lot of the young guys, you know, they just don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they really don't. And they you gotta have, did, right? Yeah, you got to have, you know, veterans in there to kind of say, hey, you know, shut up and listen and do this and do that. And, and we had that, you know, but but it was extremely hard for me because I'm not I'm not used to losing. He's not used to losing. Number 24 yeah. slash yeah, number 8 was not used to losing. Yeah. So it was hard on us because we had to accept the fact that we wasn't going to win or be in the playoffs. You know, and it was all about really trying to de develop the younger guys. And yeah, I look at it. I look back today and say, well, we we did a pretty damn good job with Jordan Clarkson with, with Julius Randle, yeah. you know, guys like that. You know, we did a pretty good job. So. Yeah, all of Delo's playing well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Julius you know, is playing well. Julius, you know, six uh, six man of the year and all star. Yeah, all star. Yeah. You know, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, you know, playing no, very he was, well. no. Julius, I'm sorry, most improved yeah, and, and, and all-star. And, uh, and an all-star. And then Jordan Clarkson, six men of the year. So um, I feel very, was an all-star? Yeah, we're very happy yeah, about right. that, you know, that we've had something to do with those guys' success. But it, it's hard when you're in an organization like this, in a city like this, and you got to say to yourself, we're going to lose mm -hmm. a, a lot of games. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to deal with. Even though you go into every game thinking, hey, tonight we're going to win this one. You know, we go, we have a chance to win this one. We just got to go out and do certain things. But uh, that that's a hard pill to swallow. And for me, you know, going home every night, having to deal with the losing. Yeah. You know, the first thing I would do is always say, okay, what could I have done better? You know, I don't point the fingers at any of the players. What could I have done as a coach better? That's that's the first question I ask myself. And then looking at the tape, you know, I would go back and say, okay, so I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have did that. And that self evaluation, I think, is always important. You know, even for players, you know, you, you know, players so so quick to you know blame coaches and blame this and blame oh it's the system I ain't getting this I ain't getting my touch and I, mm -hmm. yeah you know look yeah. at you first you know I used to always tell guys that would say you know well coach don't like me that's why I don't play I said man I play my mama if she can help me win games. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have no agenda yeah as a coach my agenda is to, to win, win basketball exactly. games so I don't if I I if I hate you as a person but you can you can You're play gonna, right I'm a player. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, that blaming, you know, the coaches and all that stuff always to me, I'm like, man, I, 
Come on, y'all got to get over that. You know, just how take you, a look at yourself first. How do you deal with players saying, hey, coach, put me in the game. Hey, coach. <laughs> hey, and you know, I like that. I, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I had that in uh, New Orleans with Brandon Bass. You oh. know, Brandon was was it one game or multiple times? No, he, but you know what? Because like, he wasn't playing. He was a rookie. Right. And met, he would come to me all the time and say, coach, I need just five minutes. <laughs> five minutes. And I said, Brandon, you ain't ready. Yeah. <laughs> coach, just five minutes. I said, all right. So it came a time where I said, okay. Put him in, played him five minutes, took him out to get, played him really like seven, right? Took him out, and the next day I said, man, you made so many mistakes. You did this, you did that. He said, that's because I was nervous. I said, that's because you're not ready. Exactly. Oh, if yeah. If you're nervous, yeah. you're not ready. That's right. what I've been trying yeah. to tell you the whole time. If you're nervous, you're not ready. So you gave him a shot? Yeah, but if you're prepared, you don't get nervous. Yep. If you are fully prepared, you don't get nervous. Yeah, that's true. You might get nervous when you walk out because of the fans and mm -hmm. all that going but once the ball is thrown inbound, you forget about all that. Yeah. It's just muscle memory at that point. Yeah, you know it's, just, you it's just muscle memory and going through what you're supposed to do. You know, letting your body and your mind take over. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, so I had to wait about another month or two before I put him back in. Because I, I told him at that time, I said, because he stopped asking too, though. <laughs> <laughs> when I said, you, you, Coach, I was nervous. I said, yeah, that's because you ain't ready. You, you, you got to so get him all over. Me. So I waited about a month, and I was playing him in practice, and he was doing well. I said, you you uh, you ready now? Yeah, coach, I'm ready. I said, you sure? You're not nervous? No, I'm, I'm ready, coach, because he was country. I'm ready, coach. I said, all right. So put him in. He played well. He played the rest of the year. And matter of fact, we tried to resign him, but Dallas gave him more money. Oh, yeah. So he went to Dallas and did well. Yeah, great dude, man. Yeah, Way great back. dude. Brandon Bass was yeah, terrific shout out to dude. Brandon. So, so then, you know, so when you are, like, encouraging people to, that want to be a coach, there's a lot of people that want to be coaches yeah, right oh, now. Yeah. You know, what, what is the one thing you can tell them that can help them? Because I'm coaching right now, and sometimes I was asking that substitution question, because everybody want to play. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Right? And you can see that nerve. It's a lot of pressure being a head coach. Yeah, oh, yeah, no doubt. Right? So what, what type of advice you can give people you know, that want to be head coaches? Well, first of all, I'd say you, you got to study. And, and study a coach that you love watching, that you think make great decisions. Study him. Watch how he coaches. Watch how he approaches the game. And you will learn from him. Take notes. Watch film. As much film as possible. Watch yeah. as much film as possible as you can. And in certain situations, watch games. And just during those games, you know, seven minute mark, six, you know, what would you do? All right, I would sub in such and such. Just, you know, scenarios just, then. Just kind of go okay. with, in your own mind what you would do as a coach at that particular time. That's how you kind of get yourself ready for when it truly does happen. You know, but I, I there, there's no better teacher than, than actually going out and doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, so even if it's on a high school level, at a recreational park or something like that. Because my first coaching gig really was coaching at coaching at the Y at uh, Westchester. Mm. Wow. I grabbed a team of guys that nobody wanted, and I said, well, I'll, I'll take them. Took those guys, and I said, listen, unlike these other teams, we're going to practice. So I need you guys here. You know, we, we play once a week, but we're going to practice twice a week. And we lost our first three games, got our butt killed, and then we won the next six, right? And we started playing well. Start, and we got in the playoffs. We ended up go, going to the finals in the little rec league, and we ended up losing in the finals. Right, but right. it was a team that nobody wanted. And I, and I grabbed a couple of kids that I knew also. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'll bring two more kids that I know that can play at this age, and they'll be okay. So yeah. I, that, to me, it's always just kind of starting at the bottom, but really find somebody that you really enjoy watching them coach. That's how you can learn. Absolutely. We're going to end this show pretty soon, but I definitely want to get in our – Last um, little final segment. Final, final, final looking at me? I, no, I actually have a I question. Have, I have a, I have a something that's like kind of 
Controversial? Not controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Not controversial. controversial. A standard yeah, question. I got the top. I want to ask who's your top five all time. Oh, okay. hold on. Okay. You, okay. Seen, you use that app? You see, have you done that on Instagram yet? I didn't use it yet. Yeah. I seen it. Would they yeah, yes. top five? Some of these players I don't even know who they are. Oh. But wasn't, wasn't we going to ask them to to participate in something like a fire? So. Something? Rapid fire. Fire. Oh, rapid fire questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, oh, no, I okay. thought you had it. It's okay. We keep, well, we we don't have it right now. I have a lot. I have a lot of actual questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know, we, yeah we, I want to know. I want to know real quick. Like, how do you think? Yeah. Obviously, the game has evolved, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but from a coaching perspective, I'm assuming it's also evolved too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, how how important is the ability to be able to pivot, um, and adapt and to evolve as a coach? I, I think it's extremely important. All all the great coaches adapt. Mm -hmm. If you're not a great coach, it's because you. You stick into your one way of thinking and saying, this is how I'm going to do it. This is what won me back in 1960. Yeah, know? exactly. And that ain't going to win you nothing today. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, prime example, Pat Riley, you know, being with the Lakers in the showtime, we up and down, we up and down. Then he goes to New York, and they are grinded, beat you up, slow down, half-court yeah. team. But he adapted to the situation of his personnel. Yeah. And so great coaches learn to adapt to the situation uh, because they're, they're great coaches. Mm -hmm. They understand that you have to adapt. Mm -hmm. The, today's game, you know, the three-point line and everything. When I played in the game, when it started, when I started in the NBA, it was an inside-out league. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody, you know, threw that ball in the post to Kareem and James yep, Worthy, yep. you know, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, all those guys. And then if you double, we play the game on the outside. Yep. Today, we Pat Riley would have killed us. Imagine <laughs> we came down on a break, and I ran on a three-on-one, and I, and I pulled up and stepped yeah. back for a three. Yeah. He would have took me out of the game so quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get funny. the layup on the dunk. Yeah. You know, now, that's that's a weapon. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. guys are coming so, down three-on-one, yeah. three-on-two, uh -huh. and they're standing behind the three-point line. Did you even think that was possible, though? I no. didn't think you can. Yeah. I didn't even think you can play like yeah. that. No, I, I didn't. It wasn't even in my head. I didn't. A step but back then, three in the game. But then you see teams that you know start doing it, and then, <laughs> as you, like you said, as a coach, you got to adapt. But you only can adapt if you have the personnel. Yeah, you exactly. got to bring in guys that can make shots. Yeah. You know, you can't have a team shooting threes in the, in the analytics. You know, these guys come in with all these analytics talking about, you know, threes are better than twos and all this stuff. I say, yeah, but if you ain't got guys that can shoot threes, you better take the twos. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so again, yeah, yeah, it's coaching yeah. to your personnel. You got to right. play, the, so play the hand you gotta, you're given. Yeah, you got to play the hand that's dealt to you. One thing real quick, I was curious. Yes. You said that um, if you want to be a coach, Matt asked that. Look at other coach that you may want to emulate. Mm -hmm. I have to ask you who you did. What coach did you look? Pat Riley and Larry Brown. Okay. Larry Brown. Okay. Pat Riley yeah. and Larry Brown. Good ones. And, and I even throw out, I mean, those are two Hall of Famers. And this course, third yeah. guy, Rick Allman. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love Rick. Yeah. Yeah. Great coach. He was yeah. a great players coach. I think he's the most underrated coach. He really is. In the history of the NBA. Everywhere yeah. he went, he won. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And players love playing for him. Yeah, and I, heard I got that. to be under him for two years at Sacramento as assistant coach. Wow. And he, he was a big influence. And I had already been a big fan, of course, of Pat Riley and Larry Brown because I played for both those guys. But being assistant coach with Rick Adelman, I was like, man, this guy's amazing. So yeah. those three coaches were, were it for me. Okay. And then who, who's your, I'm gonna start it like this. <laughs> Here it comes. I'm gonna start like this. Uh, I'm waiting. Oh, they're All good, right. they're good. I'm gonna say because people don't give Shaq enough credit. Mm -hmm. So they never talk about him being like a number one player. Now, that's, he's not number one to me, but he should be in the conversations more. But who was your top five players of all time? I'm going to go by position. Okay. okay so my top go. five players of all time by position, at the point guard, Magic Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. At the two guard, Michael Jordan. Okay. Mm -hmm. At the Well, I'm, I'm going to skip the three first because the three <laughs> has always been the hardest for me. At the four, Tim Duncan. Mm. Yeah. At the yeah. five, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
And at the three, I was like, is it Dr. J, is it Larry Bird, mm -hmm. or is it LeBron James? Oh, wow. Yeah. I got to go with LeBron James. Okay. Right That's my top five. LeBron, I mean, LeBron's slowly creeping up as cemented in the top five. He's, you know, he's, his career's not oh, over. No, so he's ain't. not right there right now. Oh, but he will be when it's he's over. He's about to be cemented. I mean, he, you know, I mean, there, there's still talk to this day about him being the greatest of all time, mm -hmm. which yeah. I can't, I can't go there. I can't get on there. You know, I, I mean, I, and I'm a big LeBron fan. I love LeBron, but to me, it's still Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Michael Jordan. Those are the two greatest players of all time to me. And I, and I get to ask to Kareem, some of it's because I played with the guy and I know how well, I know him extremely well, but I also go back to his, his, his pedigree, everything he'd accomplished. Wanted in high school, he coached at UCLA for three years, he went three national titles, three MVPs. He would have won four, but he wouldn't right, allow right. to play. Right. right, so he would have won four national titles and four MVPs. He goes to Milwaukee, they win a championship, he comes to LA, they win five more. His body of work, to me, says it all. Right. In, in his wins. accomplishment in basketball. Michael Jordan is no doubt the most flamboyant, flashiest player we've probably ever seen. Um, and I, and you know, I, I don't dispute when people say, no, Michael Jordan's the greatest. Okay. Right, right, you know, right. But to me, Argument. Kareem is. You right. know what I mean? But there will always be an argument. I don't understand why, in, even in today's game, that we don't hear Kareem's name more. And I know You're a lot right, of it don't. has to do with, you know, playing so long ago. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's how but a lot of these it. young people don't know don't how even great know this game. game. Yeah. You could not stop his shot. Right. It was unguardable. Yeah. It was unguardable. Yeah. You know, so, you know, my pick, greatest of all time, is Kareem, MJ right behind him. Um, you know, LBJ is going to be up there when he's all said and done. But yeah. my top five are those five I just named. I like Absolutely, it. man. Thanks a lot, Coach. I appreciate everybody Thanks, viewing Thank us. You guys. Absolutely. Metaphorically speaking, <laughs> our co-host, Byron Jill, the Canadian Aki, Byron Scott. Appreciate you. Anytime, brother. Be out of here, baby. Yeah. Peace.